So I'm at an interesting point in my life, in my career, because a lot of younger guides are reaching out to me for career and life advice, which I think is ironic because in some ways I feel like I struggle with this stuff all the time personally. And, you know, it's kind of like the classic, like the carpenter has a house that's never finished. I'm like, well, I feel like the advice I give people is pretty good based on my experience, but I rarely follow it myself in, in, in many ways. So it's kind of ironic that people are looking to me for advice, um, um, but I try to do my best based on my experiences and, and what I see. And I'm seeing some similar patterns happening right now. Um, and people are asking about how do I move forward in this profession? How do I move forward and make guiding my profession in my career and have essentially a good life with that? And I have an answer. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it is so tricky now because guiding has never been a lucrative line of work in this country. Remember, mountain guiding is a pretty, still a pretty new profession in this country, like as a true profession. Like have people been guiding this country for a long time um, for various, in various ways? Yes, for sure. But in terms of like legitimizing this and making it a profession, I mean, the AMJ has only been around for since the 70s, right? Um, and even that, you can really kind of, the first couple decades, it's just, you know, creeping along at best. And now it's become much more of this thing, this profession. So many people want to get into the profession. And, and to be honest, it's still a very young profession here. So we don't have kind of the same structures that you see in Europe in terms of, you know, um, viability as a profession, uh, other avenues to get the credentialing to actually treat this as a profession, like doing this through a college and getting coming out as a IFMGA guide or something like that. Um, you just don't see that lineage here yet. So we have a couple or several like vectors that are now converging that I think it, it makes this really, really challenging. Is, and the, the biggest one is the world is just really expensive now. Like good luck trying to find a place to live. Not even like you know, a rental, just a place, just somewhere on the map, right? Because if you want to do this work, you need to be by beautiful places. Beautiful places are almost unattainable for the average person, or they are, to live in. You could maybe live a few hours away, right? But to actually even find just a rental property, just a rental property that's affordable, those two things alone, good luck. Let alone buying a house or some land, right? on guiding wages. Yeah, if you work for some tech firm, sure, go for it, right? But on guiding wages, good luck with that. I feel incredibly fortunate that I have a house, I built my house in a beautiful place. Now granted, it's not wildly close to guiding, so I'm constantly traveling, driving or flying somewhere to do the work, but ultimately, I'm in a really good position in terms of just that piece alone. 
And the other pattern that I'm seeing a lot that people are asking me about is about taking courses and the financial component of that and should they take a course or not. And, you know, it's, we're at a point now where if you want to move forward as a professional mountain guide, you have to go through the process. You have to go into the AMGA, take the courses, take the exams, you know, get some level of credentialing for the train you want to be in, become a pin, whatever. Like that's just becoming, it's not becoming, it is the path you have to take now. The path I took is not really viable anymore if it ever really was. I mean, it's kind of becoming less viable just for me personally. You know, I didn't finish college. I didn't get my pin. Those were choices. I don't regret those choices. They felt like the right choices to me. And what I've gained in guiding and how I've gone through my career and the time I've spent in the field and what I've learned, I feel like I would never want to trade those things for what I have now in my head. But I am seeing the ramifications of those choices starting to play out now that my my career stability is a little bit in flux because, once again, I couldn't get insurance this fall. So my LLC is kind of uh, dead in the water at the moment. The climbing school I've worked with for a long time is in the process of trying to be sold. So it's like my path is becoming a little uncertain. And I don't have these pieces of paper on the wall that someone wants to see and go, oh, cool, come work for me. I literally have uh, a friend who has this gig doing like a three or four week mountaineering course for a Western college every year, every spring. Great, great curriculum. Like it would be a perfect course for me. I have, I have the field experience. I have the knowledge. They won't even entertain looking at me as a, to hire me because I don't have a bachelor's degree, even though my friend is urging them to do it, you know? So I think it, it's like you have to go through it, especially as we have this SOP now um, within the industry um, and to be honest, I, I don't want to speak too much about the SOP because I haven't really researched it. So it would be unfair for me to be like, it's good or bad or whatever. Cause I don't really know. I haven't really researched it. Um, I'm in a position where it kind of doesn't affect me, um, because of the, the experience I have, um, to some degree, um, which is interesting, but the financial viability of a course, when you juxtapose it in like, what you get on the other side is like, oh, I'm just still just a mountain guide, especially in the beginning, right? Like if you're a single pitch instructor, that expense isn't too great. Cool. And that's going to allow you to work in, in single pitch terrain. And a lot of people are looking for that kind of credential. Great. But now the jump, just the financial jump from that to a rock guide course is significant, right? Multiplied. And then when you come out, you're not even a certified rock guide. You're just someone who's taken the course and is still really new and may or may not actually find a lot of work just because you've done that. It does open some doors, but then you have to take whatever it is, the next, the exam after that and the next course after that and the exam after that for just one discipline, right? And when you look at a course cost, like I, I don't even know what they are now because I haven't taken a course in years. But it sounds like even just a rock guide course is somewhere between like $3,500 and over $4,000 for a course, just for the course. So if you've just spent your whole summer working as a single pitch guide, that amount of money is a pretty big pill to swallow to get into just that course, if you even get into it, right? 
And remember, you can't just look at the sticker price of a course to calculate its true cost. Course fees there. But what if you have to travel, right? What if the course isn't local? You, you have to or want to travel to another area. You have all the logistics costs of traveling to that course, planes, cars, lodging, food, all that stuff, right? On top of the course fee. You have, heaven forbid you live on the East Coast and you need to do a course that's at altitude, right? So now you got to go even earlier just to get, just to get acclimatized, let alone be in that terrain set and get a little familiarity, whether it's the snowpack or the approaches or whatever, like you need to go early to a course, right? You can just show up to a single pitch course, right? Essentially ski course, alpine course, advanced rock guide course, rock guide course, you know, any of those things, you want to be there early. You want to be feeling good, feeling comfortable in that train, reducing your uncertainty. So now you have this whole other expense on top of, right, the logistics of going out and the travel expenses and the course fee, right? So you're out there for even longer. What about all the missed work that you are going to incur from taking that course, right? Could be significant, right? If you're talking about upwards of two plus weeks, right? That's not insignificant to miss that work. So all of a sudden this like, you know, $3,500, $4,000 sticker starts going higher and higher and higher. What if you have to buy new equipment for that course? You need some new skis. You need a new rope, right? You need to replace your rack, right? Once again, not insignificant. And a lot of people have done it. I mean, there are tons of people who have done it and are doing it. I don't know where that money is coming from. If you go full pin, like where does that come from? Like you're just a mountain guide on the other end. Now, granted, if you're a pin, get access to a European market, pays better. Okay, cool. Sounds, sounds like from my friends who are pins that it's harder and harder to guide in Europe in some ways, right? There's just more and more paperwork, right? Um, if you're here, just there's more competition. There's more people trying to be guides, more people going through. So just the competition to A, get into courses, but B, get a job after that is higher, right? <laughs> if everybody's a VIP, nobody's a VIP, which I always think is interesting. Um, super challenging. And, and say you go through a course and now you have the credential to work within an SOP, but you're like, maybe there's no real work for you to kind of balance it out. Maybe there's enough for some part-time work, but after you've just spent several thousands of dollars to do something, part-time work's not gonna cut it, right? And any of you who've guided know that this is emotionally demanding, physically demanding. It's demanding in many ways. Um, and you, you need some sort of stability to make this actually work. Um, and, and part-time work doesn't cut it. Now, if you work a full-time job or another part-time job, which a lot of people do, super challenging there too because it's like now you have a, maybe a fixed schedule and you're trying to work with a career that has a very amorphous schedule and you're like, I want to guide, but I can't guide these days because my schedule's fixed over here. I mean, it, it's just mind-blowing. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. Like This was a long time ago, so but when I took... Uh, my first two AMJ courses, was 1999, my rock guide course and my alpine course. I took them both in the same summer, rock guide course in the spring, alpine course in the fall. I paid $1,800 for 
for both of the courses total. That's how much it cost in 1999 to do those two courses. Now, one was in North Conway, so driving distance for me. One, I had to fly to California, right? So there was some more cost there, but $1,800 for both those courses. You know, and, and as people know, like if you want to get into an Alpine or a ski track, it's not just the course, AMJ course, it's the uh, AVI tracks. So you have a whole parallel track of courses that take several days to be in the terrain, acclimatize, take the course, you know, on top of exams with those cor- some of those courses on top of the other courses, wilderness first responder courses, right? Keeping up with that. So one of my friends reached out recently and is like, listen, I, I, he had kind of a similar story to me. Like I, I left college early. I've been kind of piecing jobs together for a long time. I'm 30 now. You know, he's a really good climber, really strong climber, rock climber and newer ice climber, but really strong. He's, he's has the capacity and the talent um, to be a really good guy. I mean, he is a good guy, but he has the capacity to, to take this further and he's excited about it. But he's like, it would cost me over $7,000 just to take the two courses that would kind of keep me busy in my region for both summer and winter to kind of get into a winter guiding and be um, multi-pitch guiding. And he's like, I-, I don't have it. I'd have to go into debt. And, you know, should I do that? Should I not do that? And uh, to be honest, I don't know what to tell him. Like, because of these factors of scarcity of employment to some degree, scarcity of housing, um, scarcity of financial stability in this, this line of work. And, and you take the courses and you, and you pay the money and then guess what? You get hurt. Hurt enough to either be out for a whole season or just out for good. I know a couple people who were pushing hard, taking lots of courses, got an injury, changed their life. They're not mountain guides anymore because they can't be because of their injuries. Crazy. Like, I literally don't know. And I'll be blatantly honest. The only way I have made this work for me and why on the outside it looks like I have a really stable situation and people might ask me is how I did it is because I do have a really stable situation because I have zero debt. My wife and I have zero debt. I didn't finish college. So I didn't have any debt from that. My wife finished college back in the day when college was not expensive, went to in-state tuition, got her master's paid for. We built our house. We had saved up enough land um, saved, up enough, saved up enough money to actually build, buy a little piece of property that was inexpensive when property was less expensive. We could build their house when, when just building material was less expensive, right? Lots of friends helped us build this house, right? My wife has a great job at a college, you know, stable financially. That's a big deal, right? Um, and provides us our health insurance. And so... I work hard. I work a lot of days to make a a reasonable living. But if you look at my income, it is, especially compared to the inflation and costs of living um, and just where like incomes are these days, it is pretty low. But between my wife's income and my income and the fact that we have zero debt, 
we live a comfortable life. Now, we're pretty frugal. We don't mind spending money on things that are important to us. But in general, we're not lavish people. We, we live pretty simply to maintain this lifestyle. You know, I just got three cords of wood dropped off because that's what I burn all year. And, you know, we grow food. You know, that's big, big deal too. So I don't really know how someone who has school debt, who has car debt, who is struggling to find a place to live and can, or and if they are in a place they want to live financially afford just to live there and all those things, right? On top of traveling and climbing and skiing to get just their personal resumes up. Plus, remember, we do this because we love to do this as just as a recreation, as a lifestyle, let alone guiding, right? So doing all that stuff just to be prepared to be a good guide and have the, the resume to take the courses, to get into a course, the resume to, to have the knowledge to kind of be able to do this profession well and pass off what we've learned to other people who are our clients and, and, and be professional. And once again, trying to do this safely, like good movement skills, good technical skills, good social skills, like all that stuff takes tons of time and work. Um, and there's a lot of avenues in which you might um, choose to do that. Going to college for a specific degree, hiring a trainer, right? All kinds of ways, hiring a mentor, right? <laughs> all kinds of ways that you might spend money to just be baseline good at this that doesn't even get you into a course yet, right? And the thing that's interesting is like, I'm seeing people wrangle with these life choices and I'm seeing people who are actually naturally gifted at guiding and they have a certain passion for it, but there's this turmoil because they can't make the numbers work. They can't, and sometimes it's not just the financial piece. Sometimes it's a like, okay, going to the next level means I need to really invest time in my climbing or my skiing. And that scares me. Seeing people get hurt and now they have a different trajectory, that scares me because this job is dangerous. This job is hard. You know, so it's not just a financial piece that I think people are struggling with, but it's certainly one. If, if there was a, a pretty clear financial stability, like you're like, all right, I come into this pipeline and I have this stability when I come out, that might be a different thing because there's a lot of jobs that are dangerous but are financially stable. Right? You could be a steel worker, right? Um, you know, whatever. So it's, it's very interesting um, to be in this position and, and try to help people navigate through this. And to be honest, like I'm a lot better at helping them understand the concepts of guiding, whether it's a uh, facilitation piece, a technical piece, a terrain piece, because that's what I know. The actual realities of guiding in terms of trying to make a career out of it, like I'm just kind of lucky. Like I've just been lucky. I was at the right time in my life, in the right place in the world, right? In the right time in the world where, you know, the courses I did take weren't, you know, they were expensive, but they weren't crazy expensive. Like it was doable then, Um Cost of living was, was kind of doable then. Now, good luck. Um, and I've seen a lot of my friends um, 
kind of choose to keep following this path and kind of doing things in slightly different ways or very different ways, um, whether that's just working a ton as a guy, like fully committing, taking the courses, you know, going to a Western climbing school where they're just like in big terrain at more risk, you know, working hard, just like plowing through courses, um, not maybe they're getting some sort of stipend from the schools to help them with the, the, the defray the course costs. I don't know. Um, making it happen though. Um, you know, I've known some guides who are just like, well, I'll just put these courses on the credit card, you know, and if you go full pin, full retail, and you just show up at the other end as a mountain guide, I probably wouldn't want to have that credit card debt, to be honest. Um, <laughs> even my friend Mark Chauvin years ago told me, he's like, don't do it. He's like, don't become a pin now. He's like, it's just not sustainable. You know, I'm like, well, Mark, you are a pin, so you can kind of say that. But he's like, don't do it. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know? Um, so really uh, interesting. But so my answer is, I don't know. I don't really know what to tell you about how to make this a career and make it sustainable. You know? I mean, it's a little bit like an artist. Like, you might be a very talented artist and it feeds your soul, but, you know, how many talented artists just, you know, live in poverty? A lot. Whether you're a painter or a musician, whatever. Like, you might have the gift, but, you know, <laughs> I probably would have been better off getting my pin and Instagram account, to be honest. And that's, that's not a slight on people who have done that. Congratulations. You've worked hard. Awesome. I appreciate what you're doing out there, but um, um, yeah, it's just interesting as I look at my life and how I've chosen to live it personally and professionally and how I'm trying to impart what I've learned to other people. And now I'm in these positions where it's like, I don't really have a great answer for you. Like, what do you really want out of this? And if, if what you want seems like it's worth these sacrifices, because no matter what you do, it's going to be a sacrifice in some way. If those sacrifices seem worth it, whether that's financial, whether that's stability, financially, whatever it is, then you should do it if it feeds your soul. But you should have a backup plan. <laughs> Stay in school, right? Have a, have a career that you can fall back into. Um, or you know, it, to be honest, it doesn't have to be, it just has to be you're doing something that allows you to have some level of comfort and some level of emotional and mental like peace. It doesn't matter if you pack boxes. If, if doing that work gives you the financial stability so you can just go climb on the weekends and that gives you peace, just do it. You should never be ashamed of doing work, um, whatever the work is. So anyways, long-winded, um, but I wish I had better advice um, in terms of the actual realities of being a guide. Skill set-wise and all those things, come talk to me. The other stuff, I'll do my best. Um, so good luck.